Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in Ephesians 5, but before we start our reading, let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for giving us life and thank you for loving us. I just lift up this time and ask Holy Spirit for you to guide us, that you would communicate, touch us, and open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to your will and to your word. May you be the, the teacher today. May you educate us. May you make this go deep or help us have this go deep. I just pray that your word, your message would be what is heard, not mine. So, Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. And I just pray that we would learn and be obedient to your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I'm going to read from chapter 4, verse 29, down through just verse 2. And then I'm going to read a little bit from Spurgeon, what he has to say about about this. And I, I go up to chapter 29 because basically... Verse 1 is in the ending tale or portion of a paragraph. So I don't want to lose the content and the context of the information. So it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Spurgeon has a sermon that is discussing Ephesians 5, verse 18, which is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm not going to read all of that from him, but I want you to understand who the Ephesians were and what was being written to them. It's pretty impactful. And it says, while I was reading to you just now, in the fourth and fifth chapters of Paul's letter to the Ephesian believers, I could not help feeling that you could little understand the elevation and the purity of the precepts of the apostle as they must have appeared to the inhabitants of which a wicked of such a uh, to the inhabitants of such a wicked city as Ephesus when first read these precepts must have seemed like an unearthly light we have now a public sentiment which condemns drunkenness lying and many other vices which were scarcely considered worthy of censure by that degraded people. Christianity had not affected people or the public sentiment at the time. That sentiment was distinctly immoral. The sin of fornication was scarcely judged to be sinful. Theft was most common, as indeed it is in the East to this day. Uh, lying was universal and only blamed if committed so clumsily as to be found out. I may say of drunkenness that although it was not regarded as a commendable thing, yet it was looked upon as a failing of great minds, not to be too much condemned. Alexander the Great, as you know, died through drink. He offered a prize on one occasion to those who could drink the most, and in that famous drinking bout, 
large numbers of his chieftains and nobility died in the attempt to rival others. Even of such a man as Socrates, it is said that he was, the, he was famous for the quantity that he could drink. The stories of that feast, of the feast of that age, I would, I would be ashamed to repeat, and you certainly would not have the patience to hear them. Drunkenness and gluttony and such like were the common faults both of the great and the small. For while some had no opportunity for gluttony, for they did not have enough to eat, they only failed to be gluttons for that reason and not from principle. The apostles set before his new converts not a modified system of right and wrong, but the purest virtues and the most heavenly graces. So I read that just to give you an idea as to the people that are being written to, that are having this communication and are being told, hey, stop all this stuff. It's not right. You need to adjust. And so it's a remarkable commentary or approach. Instead of watering down the message to meet the people where they're at, he was they're expecting the people to come up to the message. And I just think that's a very important context and understanding. So let's go into verse 3. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. So keep in context and keep remembering the people that they're talking to where this is news. This is unique to them because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So I go back to that, and I look at it, and I, I let's go back to verse 16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You know, a lot of people will say the same thing about today, that today is an evil, is an evil time, and that there's, that there's still, you know, that it just becomes so bad. But it was evil back then. Every day, every era was, you know, people are people. We're screwed up. Without Christ, without God, we're evil. Our evil nature, our sinful nature rules. Even when we have Christ, we fail and we fall short. I know I fall short. Even Paul had something that was a thorn in his side that he just could not overcome. But it, he had to pray about it daily. God did not remove it from him. So he had to deal with it on a daily basis. We all fall short and have our sins. But it's doing his will and understanding the days are evil and submitting ourselves 
and moving forward in that way. Anyways, verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Can anyone argue that most of the or a lot of the worst decisions they've made in their life have come when they're drunk or high? I know I can make those statements. I make really bad decisions if I've been drinking too much. Even if I am just have a little buzz, I make dumb decisions. And, you know, there's, oh, my gosh, why did, you know, people wake up all the time and say, oh, my gosh, why did I text that? Well, it's because you were drunk. And, again, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. I'm speaking experience. So, anyways, I really do believe in the becoming, getting rid of alcohol in my life. I'm not always successful with it, but it's definitely a focus for me in this journey. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here comes some instructions for Christian households how to live. Wives, submit submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Remember this is where in Ephesus, sexual promiscuity wasn't really frowned upon his body um, okay so i'm sorry for the husband is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything husbands love your wives just as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her with the washing or by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Understand that they thought wives and women were chattel. They were property. And here it is. And they used to hit them. They used to beat them. They'd rape them. they treat them like crap. They were servants and maids. And here he is like, no, love them. Love them like Christ loved the church. Be willing to die for her. Love her. Be willing to die for her. Make sure she is she has no wrinkle or stain and that she's radiant. Don't sit there and let her be dirty and nasty and treat her like crap. Treat her like God, like Jesus treats the church in the same way. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his, of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So there's two uses of the word must. It's not a choice. If you have a wife, you must love her. And you love her as Christ loved the church or loves the church. And wives, you must respect. There's no ambiguity here. My mother and father went through separation for years. I lived through it. And the reality was they came back together because they knew divorce was not right. And my mother worked really hard 
because she knew she had to respect my father, and my father worked really hard to love my mom. When they died, when my mother passed away early, and she was in her early 70s, late 60s, she, um, my father was more in love with her than he'd ever been, and my mom was more in love with my dad and respected him. It was beautiful, and yet they had disliked each other a lot, but they submitted to their roles, him loving her, her respecting him. So with that, I'm just going to close this with prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done. We fall so short so often. At times I feel like an Ephesian. I feel, feel like a Pharisee. And I feel very far from being your son. Because the love for others is not always evident in my life. And so, Father, I just pray as we go through these readings that our, our hearts, my heart, would be touched And that I would truly understand what it means to love others as you love them. To love others as you love the church. And to put your purity first. Not my wants and desires. So Lord, I thank you for this time. I just lift up my friends. And I just pray that you'd watch over them. Watch over our families and hold them close, I pray. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.